You're listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast with service members from across the military sharing their stories of combat and survival. And now, here's your host, Mark Zeno. Welcome into the Hazard Ground Podcast. Once again, we appreciate you joining us each and every week. Great to talk to you guys once again before we get started with this week's episode. A reminder about our new deal with Amazon. That's right. If you're an Amazon shopper, not only can you get everything you need that you normally buy on Amazon, but you can also help out a whole bunch of great veterans organizations like the ones we've featured here on the Hazard Ground Podcast. All you got to do when you want to do your Amazon shopping, instead of going to Amazon, go to our website, hazardground.com, click on the Amazon banner, a portion of everything you spend will come to us and we are donating that directly to the organizations, the veterans organizations that we have featured here on this podcast. So it's a great way for you to get your shopping done and still be able to support veterans organizations. So again, go to our website, hazardground.com and then click on the Amazon banner there. Do your shopping as normal and you're supporting a bunch of great military veterans organizations. Want to remind you guys to follow us on all of our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up Hazard Ground. Reminder, we are on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, a whole bunch of different places you can get us, as well as iTunes, where you need to leave a rating and a review and continue to support us with the podcast. On to this week's episode. Joining us this week is a retired Marine sergeant who had three tours in Vietnam. During his second tour, he was wounded three times and awarded the Silver Star over 40 years after his battle engagement. He is also a retired LAPD detective. And one more for you. He is right now up for the Medal of Honor. It is Joe Getherall here on the Hazard Ground Podcast. Joe, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, Joe, just an incredible story, uh, how you survived being wounded three times and in the process saved many lives of your teammates. Uh, Before we get to all that and what happened in Vietnam, we always like to start back at the beginning. Tell us how you got in the Marine Corps and eventually how you did get to Vietnam. Well, I I grew up in a housing project in uh, South Boston, and uh, I was a housing project rat. I was a gang member, and I was also an excellent athlete, which saved me. And anyway, my parents moved to California when I was 16, which was a culture shock. And uh, I didn't, I I refused to go to school. So the highest grade I ever went to was the ninth. I got my master's now, but anyway, uh, I, they signed for me to go in the Marine Corps when I was 17. I always wanted to be a Marine. So I went in. So your parents uh, signed you up or you wanted, or you signed up on your own? Uh, well, I, I had to have parents' signature because I was only 17. Right. So I had to have their permission. So anyway, uh, joined the Marine Corps at 17, uh, and uh, I, I went out here to San Diego, uh, MCRD, and uh, that was an experience because I had my Boston accent, which I've lost most of it, but uh, I don't say car and park no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, because so, I, I used to get beat in the Marine Corps because of my accent, so I lost that. I tried to lose that as quick as I could. Now, and, uh, when you signed up, though, what year was it? Because Vietnam had already kicked off, I assume. January, January 1964. It was right after uh, uh, John F. Kennedy got assassinated. Right. He got assassinated in November, and, uh, and so that's, that was another reason why I wanted to go and record. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was January 1964. So we were at the Vietnam conflict at that point in time. We hadn't escalated to, like, a full-blown war. Did, did any of that scare no. you, give you any sort of apprehension? Oh, no. No, no, no. The Marine Corps, as you know, you, you, there's only one 
one reason you join the Marine Corps, and that's to fight. I mean, there's no other reason, and they'll tell you that too. There's no other reason to join the Marine Corps other than you want to fight. And uh, that that's it. You train to fight, and uh, and that that that's the reason. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it it anyway. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, I just you know, I wonder how much that that played into your decision. I mean, again, all of this was right in front of you. Much similar to people who sign up in the post 9/11 era. You know, we all, you know, kind of know that, hey, if you sign up now, there's a good chance you're going to end up in combat at some point in time. So, you know, that, that kind of deters some people. Well, I'm sure it does. Uh, but when you join the Marine Corps, uh, anybody that, that volunteers for the Marine Corps knows that that's why they join. They, they you know, it's in their head. They want to, they want to fight the Marine Corps. That's, that's what they do. And that's, that's, and they'll tell you that, you know, that's, that's the reason for the Marine Corps. They want to fight. And, uh, and when I was going through boot camp, they had uh, uh, Vietnamese uh, officers that were going through uh, boot camp uh, at MCRD uh, at that time. Uh, after graduating from, oh, after graduating boot camp and uh, second ITR, now it's called School of Entry, SOI. But anyway, after that, my first duty station was uh, Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. That's where Fourth Marines were. And I was with Alpha 1-4. Got there probably in July 65. And uh, October of 65, they were going to resurrect the Raiders. So uh, the battalion, uh, there was uh, the, the battalion tried out, and they selected 36 of us uh, for Raider training. And uh, we went through Raider training, subs, and all that, going, uh, blowing and going off subs. And uh, we were called, the 36 of us were called, we were, we were Raider company. So, however, we never used it. In May of 65, we, uh, 4th Marines, uh, Alpha 1, 1st uh, Battalion, 4th Marines, mounted up, and we, uh, we left for Vietnam. We, uh, landed in Vietnam, uh, May 7th, 65, in July. There was nothing there in July at the time. And, uh, we got there, and the CBs, uh, built the, uh, airstrip. Gotcha. After my, after my first tour in Vietnam, I went back, uh, uh, to Pendleton, and I become an, I was a weapons instructor at Second ITR. Again, it's called School of Infantry now. So I was a weapons instructor, and I wanted to go back to Vietnam. All right, now hold on a second before uh, before you get too far down the road here. Let me stop you for just real quick. When you got to Vietnam the first time, excited, scared, worried? What were you thinking, feeling? Well, <laughs> it's funny because we, uh, you know, you have your steak dinner. The, 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 the night before, and the, the, the whole tr tradition, Marines. So uh, we got on Amtrak's, and when we landed on the beach, you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, we're apprehensive. Sure, you, you know, everybody's scared. You know, you, you, if you're not scared, you're, you're stupid or crazy. So uh, when we landed, we, you know, you think of John Wayne, you know, landing. You, know, you get <laughs> off and you do your, you do your zigzag and stuff. Well, when we get off. Uh, Ninth Marines had landed uh, a couple of months before that in Da Nang. So they were there to greet us, and there's big signs, <laughs> like on banners, Welcome Marines. <laughs> so, you know, we weren't, not, we weren't like fans of Iwo Jima. We, were, you know, we had big, big banners, Welcome Marines. It was hilarious. So that's when, you know, we, we got up back on the Amtraks, and we went further in, and, uh, and that's where uh, the Seabees uh, built the air the airstrip. 
Now, in 65, and... real quick, in 65, I mean, what was the combat like? Because, look, you got to remember, you know, chronologically, the heaviest fighting in Vietnam was 67, 68. That was the Tet. That was, you know, Way City. I mean, uh, what was was the combat, day-to-day combat, heavy in 1965? Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you. When we first landed, we were... We we were told we could not chamber around and we could not fire unless we were fired at. That that was the that was the uh, rules of engagement. Mm. And August of '65, I'll never forget it. I'm I'm at the airstrip. I did not participate in it. It was Operation Starlight. That was uh, uh, two four participated in that second battalion, fourth marines. And uh, I'll never forget we're at the airstrip, and the helicopters kept coming back with bodies and, and, and wounded. I mean, it was it was it was an eye opener. And uh, that, that's where a friend of mine, uh, uh, Bob O'Malley, friend now, he wasn't a friend then. He was the first enlisted man to get the Medal of Honor, uh, to receive the Medal of Honor. And it was Operation Starlight. And uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. The, the helicopters kept coming back and back and back with bodies. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So that was an eye-opener. And we were involved in, in, in some firefights. And Harvest Moon was the big one for us, uh, and, and, and uh, we lost a lot of people in, in that one. So '65 was just starting. It was it was it was pretty active, not like it was in '68. Right. But it was it was active. When those helicopters are coming back with bodies of wounded and KIAs, and you know these are people you know, did you stop and think, what the hell did I get myself into? No, no. It was it was just uh, it was like a holy crap moment. You know, they, uh, you know, it's just uh, this is this is the real deal. And, uh, you know, we were involved in a couple of firefights before that, but nothing major, you know, snipers and stuff like that. But that was the very first big uh, operation for uh, uh, for any combat unit uh, from the United States. After that was I-Train. That was the Army. But uh, that was the first uh, the first big combat uh, was, was Starlight, Operation Starlight. Did you feel like you guys, I don't, overmatched isn't the right word. But what were you unprepared for about Vietnam? Um, the carnage. Uh, nothing can ever prepare you for the for for, for the carnage. Or, or you know, when, when I don't care who you are, how tough you are. Uh, when you see uh, your buddy, you know, whether it's a, a gut shot or a head shot, nothing ever prepares you for that. For that, what what you're looking at. Right and uh, and and just so everybody, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care how tough they are. Everybody has PTSD. So some, something will trigger it, you know. And, it, it's, and it's, people handle it different, you know. But it, it's not how tough you are. That doesn't. That has nothing to do with it. It's just uh, everybody's unique and everybody handles it a different way. Yeah, it's been forty years. How much of that still stays with you? Well, it's been longer than that. I, w- w- I received my silver star. You want me to tell you a story about how this happened? Well, we're going to get to the Silver Star. Hold on a second. I'm just okay. kind of, you know, I, I don't want to, for the audience's sake, I want to kind of do things chronologically, but I just, you know, uh, now it's 50 years. Yeah, now that you think about it, I do the math. Yeah. It's over 50 years. Yeah. I mean, do, do yeah. a lot of these memories still resurface? Uh, I went back this past uh, February, March. Wow. The greatest the greatest generations. Yeah, yeah, we know a lot about them. I had, it was the greatest fun. I mean, that, that organization is the best in the world. And they took me back. And I, it was like a 900-pound gorilla taking off my, my, my shoulders. Everybody know, says, you know, Joe, when you say that, I get chills. Because, I, you know, I've been to deployments in Iraq. I, I don't know what I would feel like going back. I, I don't know. 
I, I mean, take me through the, the gamut of emotions. I mean, it, it's everybody has said that we've talked to that has made this trip that 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 it's the burden off your your shoulders that all of a sudden you, you're at peace with everything. Well, I was telling the story. They, they put me at the exact spot where I was wounded two times. We had a big battle December 22nd, uh, 1966. Yeah, I, I, Joe, I and guess at this point it's hard to, hard to hold off the Silver Star. So let, let, let's just fast forward to that because you get to your second, your second tour and December 22nd, right. 1966 right. is the date of your, right. your major engagement. So uh, we can't hold it off any longer. Let's just kind of get to the details of that day. Okay, so... Uh, I'm telling a story of that, and uh, I want to. I want to go first. I'm going to go to the Greatest Generations Foundation and back up to the. To that sure. Night. Okay. So they put me in the exact spot where I was one of the two times, and, and and I'm telling the story of of the battle, and I get to the point where um, I'm I'm squad leader, and I'm I'm bringing ammo and, and directing fire and stuff. Like we're under assault. We just come in, they, what they do is they mortify and then under assault. So I get to the point where I show up at one of my squad members' uh, uh, foxholes, and he's not there. I mean, he's, I, I can't see him. And there's two VC just off to, his, off to the side of the foxhole, and I dump them. And uh, I get there, and, 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 he, and he comes out of the hole, and I'll never forget the look on his face. And, that's, and, I, and, I, and I, my nickname was the Iceman. And I lost, when I was telling the story, I, I never forget the, the look on his face. It was like, he thought he was dead. And uh, and uh, it, I, I just, I lost it and I, I, I broke down. And I've never told that story before. Matter of fact, uh, in, right after I received the Silver Star, uh, this, this squad member was located. He wasn't located before that. And he told our platoon commander about this. So my platoon commander tells me, that uh, Sylvia just told me about this, and this is new evidence, and put you in for the Medal of Honor. And uh, I said, well, I'm t- I said, Gary, my lieutenant, I said, it didn't happen. He said, well, it happened. He said, it happened, and, 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 and if he says it happened, it happened. This is honest to God. A year and a half later, December of 67, uh, of, uh, I'm sorry, December of uh, 2008, I'm sitting in my my family room. This is this is a year and a half after I received the Silver Star, and uh, all of a sudden I'm back in Nam, and that that incident come up to me. So I did I, I I blocked that completely out of my mind. That was not even in uh, in uh, the original Silver Star citation. That's why he recommended for the Medal Medal of Honor. It, wow. So that's incredible. I mean, honest to God. And so I, I was sitting in my I, I call him right away. It's Gary. It happened. <laughs> He said, I knew it happened. He told me it happened. So it was, cra- it was crazy. I mean, it was really crazy. So I lost it. That, that, so I lost it. Now, getting back to the battle, what happened was we got, we got uh, come under heavy mortifier. We ended up receiving like 200 rounds of mortar that night. But anyway, heavy mortifier. And then uh, I got hit with, this is, this is crazy. I got hit with the very first round. I was, doing a, I, I was just doing a, a regular check of, the, of, the, of the, uh, my positions. And uh, I had told him put Constantina wire up and, and put rocks in sea, sea ration cans because I was the only one of the only ones in the company that had combat experience. So I get hit with the first round and uh, and uh, there, I was goofy and the comic Corman comes up and he wants to shoot me up for warfare and I said no get that away from me. So uh, he 
band-aids me, and you know, I, I had both—I got hit in both legs, and in my arm, I fractured my arm. So, but when you the adrenaline is running so much that you don't realize that. So we right after right after he left, we come under fire, and I'm, I'm going from position. I'm directing fire from position to position. Uh, then things settle down. We come under another mortar uh, attack, another assault, and there was a Marine. It was not in our squad. My hole was behind my squad. He goes down like off to my off to the side between us. So I go out on the fight, and we're under heavy assault, and rounds kicking up all over. I go out, I pull him out of, pull him back to my hole, and, and then I kept directing fire, going back and forth, and then things settled down again. We come under mortar for fire, and again later in the battle, uh, the, the air, you know, the uh, we got the illumination rounds. They go off, and I see a VC ready to throw a grenade, and I dump him, but he threw the grenade. And they had it was it looked like the old German uh, grenades, but they were wood, they, they had they handmade it. They were wooden handles. The, the Chicom grenades were wooden handles. So I he throws it and it lands like between two of my. And I yelled at them. I don't know if they heard me. So I go out and I jump on the grenade and I throw it. And just as I release it, it goes off and I get wounded again. So that's 2004. I call. I'm jumping ahead now. I had no contact with my squad, my platoon commander, anybody for 30-something years. So in 2004, I see there's a reunion of 3rd Battalion, 26th Marines. So I'm going to use my LAPD detective expertise, and I start to try to find my squad. My first person I find is my platoon commander. And I call him, and so we're talking. You know, we talked for a half hour, 45 minutes. I joke when I said, you know, I never received that silver star you put me in for. And I did not know at the time he put me, he really did put me in for Silver Star. I was just joking with him. Oh, really? <laughs> so it was a long, long pause on the phone. I said, Gary, Gary, he says, he says, what do you mean he never, he said, I put you in. And now I'm surprised because he, he actually put me in for the Silver Star. <clears throat> but he didn't know all the details at the time. He finds out later piece by piece. So that was in April. He puts me in. For the Silver Star, he writes everything. I get. He says, "Get some, you know, call, get as many as guys you can, get their affidavits." I get like three or four guys. They get their affidavits. In June, we have a uh, we have the reunion. At the reunion, two of the guys, uh, he did not know about me jumping on the grenade. Two of the guys tell him about me jumping on the grenade. So he rewrites everything. He thought he had to put me in for the Silver Star. He writes a letter, a three or four page letter that accompanied uh, the personal award recommendations, summary of action, and the citation. And in the letter, he says, I did not know all this. He deserves minimum Navy Cross. So that's when, uh, and, and it comes back, Silver Star. And then they find Sylvia after that, and he finds out about me saving his life. So that's when he put me into the Medal of Honor. But that's, that's, so that happened. I got the Silver Star and the Third Purple Heart in uh, April 2007. So this Medal of Honor thing has been going on since December 2007. Wow. Okay. There's there's so much to unpack here. So uh, let's let's try to go through all this. Let me go back to when you said after your first deployment that you wanted to go back to Vietnam. Why? Yeah, I took a took a stupid pill. <laughs> what happened was, uh, yeah, what happened was I had there was there was a uh, a guy who got got killed. He basically died in my arms, and uh, so. 
you know, at that time I, I drank, you know, like most Marines. And, and every time I drank, you know, that's why I, I, I counsel Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, and I tell them, do not drink because it's a depressant. And so that, that kept eating at me, eating at me, eating at me. So I wanted to go back. First day back, it was like 110 and 100% humidity. I'm saying to myself, what in the hell did you just do? <laughs> so that's, you know, that's why I went back. Okay. Um, when you got back there, did you ever regret, you know, prior to December 22nd, did you ever think, boy, this was a stupid decision? No. No, because I, 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 I had the squad and, uh, you know, being responsible for them, you don't, you know, you know thinking, I, I, no, I never, never, never regretted go, going back. How because much? I was with them and I was protecting them. How much more intense was the second deployment from a combat standpoint? Was it a lot heavier? Uh, yeah, much more, much more. How many firefights much. had you been in prior to December 22nd? I don't uh, even know, like, an we, exact number, just kind of, you know, what was the, the, the tempo? Uh, we had not been in that many firefights at all uh, because we got there in, in uh, early December. So we're at Dong Ha, and then we went to uh, a place called, we took six spies to a place called Kobe Tantan. So we had not been involved in, uh, in too, many, too many firefights at all. When you went back with the Greatest Generations Foundation and you stood in that spot again where everything had happened, take me through all the emotions or as many as you can recall um, about being there. Does the smells come back? Do the sights come back? The sounds? Everything. (laughs) Like I said, when I got to the point telling the story about the battle, when I got to that point where uh, I had dumped those two VC off to the side of uh, Sylvia's foxhole, and when he, his head, come, I thought he, I, I, I thought he was dead, but he, when it, because I hadn't seen him, then when his, when he pops up, the look on his face just was, so the, that's the emotion I got was I, everything, every, that, that whole, the whole battle come back to me, but seeing his face was, was just, it, it, that was that, that's what I've been carrying around, thinking that you know, he, 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 you know, him thinking that he was dead. What about that were you carrying around? Like, you knew he was alive, right? I mean, you found out quickly after yeah. he was alive. So why did exactly. that stay with you? I don't know. And uh, it, 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 it's just, uh, it's just uh, that, that, that space. And then and I put it in the back of my mind, that whole thing. So I was carrying it around, but I didn't realize what I was carrying around. If you know, uh, it's, it's hard to explain. Because I never, I, 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 refused to believe that when Gary told me about that incident, I said it never happened. That's how, that's how great, that's how much it, it affected me. So when I was on LAPD, when I was going, working patrol, I go through Chinatown, I, the smells would bring me back to now. It, it was a trigger. So I carried that, that, that burden around without realizing what it was. I Makes did sense. not know. Sure. I did not know what it was. And then, so that's why it was so emotional uh, telling the story when I got to that point. When you look back on that day, um, what stands out to you the most, December 22nd, 1966? Worst day of my life. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. The worst Why? Day of my life. The, <laughs> I cannot describe the chaos, uh, the, 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 the 
amount of fire that was going on. We were, we, rounds were kicking out. I mean, they were, it was a major assault, the major assault. We were outnumbered. They, they estimated later, my squad, naturally we had a, 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 a platoon company area, but just my squad, they come up, all the, all the assaults were in front of my squad. And we were at number 25 to 1. That's wow. what they estimate. That's what they estimate. Because there was, there was 50 bodies that they, and, 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 that they told me later, because I didn't go down, because I was, I, 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 that morning they brought me up to the, to the CP, uh, where, uh, the Diane Aid Station was, and, um, and I got medevac from there, but they told me there was, there was 50 bodies there. And plus, they went down the hill, there was bandages, and so they drug a lot away, too. So my squad, they'd never been under fire before, never been in a firefight, and they were, they, I can't even tell you how, how, they, how, how great they were at performing. How many guys did you lose that day from your squad? I'm sorry? How many guys did you lose from your squad that day? None. Oh, really? None. Everybody survived? We all survived. Well, then, I, we I mean, uh, isn't that a happy ending, so to speak? Like, I, when you say it's the worst day of your life, I, I get it in one hand, but I was naturally thinking because some of your brothers were taken from you, and none of them were. That, that's not a happy ending there? I, uh, you know, I, like I said, the, the chaos that night was was beyond belief. And, and, and I don't know, like I said, I got hit with the very first mortar round. After that, it was like I was in a bubble because round I, I I I could hear the rounds going by my my head. I could actually hear them whizzing by, and I, they were kicking up all around. I don't know how I I, I didn't get shot because I was almost never in the hole. I was directing fire, delivering ammo, uh, so I was hardly in my hole at all during every assault. And uh, so that, that's what that's what I'm saying about the worst day of my life. It was crazy that 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 that, that night. It was just the chaos. The, 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 it was crazy. I can't. I mean, it was honest to God. It was, so that's why I say it was the worst day of my life. Did, it was just surviving. Did you ever wonder why you never felt pain? I mean, you had two injuries in your legs and a broken arm. I mean, you know, when does that all that set in finally? Uh, the next morning. Yeah. When when they when they uh, when they were gone, I I that's and it's the truth. I I, I felt tightness. I felt no pain. I felt like it was tight and stuff, but I felt no pain. I and mean, that's what you're just running on adrenaline, strictly on adrenaline. For, that's why you, you see people picking up cars. I mean, you, right, it's yeah. adrenaline. So you, you finally get awarded the Silver Star over 40 years later. Uh, any anger, angst about that, the way everything yeah. went down? No. As I, as a matter of fact, it was, it, was, it was probably even better because I was able to share it with my family. So I had no, you know, it, you know, everything happens for a reason. So it was, you know, it was able to share it with my family. After your second deployment in 1966, you go back to Vietnam again. Oh, yeah. What, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm really, really not the sharpest tool in the shit. <laughs> I mean, it, is it so, fair to say your third deployment was a, is more eventful than your first two? Uh, in a way. I went back. I... I Rehabbed with Okinawa, and I go to jump school at uh, Sukaran. Um, it's run by First SFG uh, Special Forces Group, and I go to jump school there. And so I'm rehabilitating. So I I, I, I finagle my way back, and I and I end up with the Third Force Reconnaissance Company, and uh, become a team leader. And so do my 
that was in April, late April, uh, 67. And, uh, so in June, uh, I come back off at Opa, uh, we come back off a of patrol. It was, we, there was only four, you go on four, we call four and four, four men for four days. Some days were longer, but, uh, I come back, I gave a sit rep and, uh, the major says, uh, Bill Floyd, uh, he says, uh, Sergeant Gethrow, he says, uh, and he's got my SRB in front of him. He says, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> supposed, you're not supposed to be in country for, you know, if you get wounded, you're hospitalized you know, more than two times. You're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be uh, in country for, I think it's two or three years. So he says, you get your, you get your shit together. You get your, I'm sorry. I'm, That's get okay, go together. ahead. <laughs> he says, you get your stuff together. And uh, you get on, you get on the next plane, and you're going back to Okinawa. So at the time, I was kind of, I was pissed off. But looking back, I would have been killed. There's no doubt in my mind. Because they lost a lot of guys, uh, third force. So there was no doubt I would have been, uh, would have been killed. But that, so that was, it was great because as it worked out, I met my wife. She's Okinawa. She's from Okinawa. Uh, she was a seamstress on base. She was a school teacher for four years, but I met her when she was a seamstress on base. So uh, I was very, very lucky. That's incredible. I mean, you know, just to, not to get religious, but, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, you know, you, you, you saved a life, and in theory, somebody saved yours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and from there, it, 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 I was lucky I had a GED. I got in Hawaii when I was in Hawaii. I got a GED, and I uh, was in, in, very fortunate that uh, I was able to join LAPD. Uh, I was one of the very first, uh, uh, when we started SWAT, I was one of the very first uh, original guys with SWAT. Uh, and, uh, you know, my wife, thank God, my wife, I, I was I, uh, free as me. My both daughters had full rides, one in Cal State Northridge in softball, the other one in Cal, uh, at Florida State, and they're both All-Americans. And then my son, he was All-American in Notre Dame. Wow. 5'7", five, seven, five, seven, 180, Joey Gethrall. You can look it up. You can YouTube Joey Gethrall and watch his return against Nebraska. And, uh, yeah. So I went to SC, and he gets the scholarship to Notre Dame. Oh, that's, and, that set up a nice rivalry yeah. in the family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have no allegiance to USC, though. Um, uh, I wear my red dress and red high heels. I become a Hollywood streetwalker because Notre Dame pays for my kids' education. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Hollywood whore. I don't free as me. <laughs> Anecdotal question. Uh, what was tougher, uh, the jungles of Vietnam or the streets of Los Angeles for 30 years? <laughs> Yeah, but you you were there during a really rough folks. stretch, Joe. I mean, from seventy to the mid nineties, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it, it it to me that the LAPD was it was it, it was just fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, now is now is you know for these these kids now it's really strange. And as it turns out, my son Urban Meyer is really good friends with my son. Oh wow! Uh, they're like brothers. Like, I mean, really close. Like like brother like close. Brothers, honest to God, they talk to each other every week, and he wanted my son to coach with him. But my son went to Utah and spent a week, and 
So Urban's spending 18 hours a day on the off season. So my son said, "No, nah, it's not for me." So he went. He went on LAPD. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and so my daughter, my daughter was a Florida State daughter. She was a detective with LAPD. Amazing. And uh, and I have two sons-in-laws that were LAPD. So there's five of us. Wow, that's unreal, Joe. That's great. Uh, you know, you did the Greatest Generations trip and everything else, and, you know, obviously, look, at all the blessings your family has and wonderful children and a, and a beautiful wife and all that thing. Um, when you look back on everything, are you 100% at peace with the way everything in Vietnam went down in your life going forward, or, or are there some things that still trip you up? No. For me personally, I'm, 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 I'm totally, totally at peace. Um, I, uh, everything that happened, uh, you know, happened for a reason I'm, i and uh uh you know i'm not i'm not thrilled at uh why we were there uh, the whole the whole thing about the war but uh for me personally i'm i'm totally at peace what's the latest with the medal of honor uh right now it's it's still being reviewed uh that's a whole different uh the whole different there's a colonel uh, there's a uh, commander in our job, who retired colonel, uh, Keith Bushy, and uh, there's a major general, uh, Jim Williams, uh, big black guy. I mean, he's huge and really super guy. And uh, he was he was a force recon marine also, uh, but he was after Vietnam. And they're both uh, they wrote a complaint to the Department of Defense uh, about the way things have been tr- handled. And uh, so, but it's still being reviewed. So I don't know where, you know, what's going on. I don't know, you know, uh, they're trying to get Mattis to get eyes on. If Mattis gets eyes on, it's a done deal. But uh, they're trying to get Mattis to get eyes on, on, on the, uh, this is a whole binder. I had a, I had an attorney, a pro bono from Georgia that, uh, that uh, wanted to do my case pro bono. And, uh, yeah, he, he passed away. He was a Silver Star recipient from World War II. And he cried when he told me that the first time they refused. I actually cried when the first time they refused it. And uh, so he put a lot of time into it. He had a binder. That day is incredible what he put together. Joe, when you said you said earlier that you had talked to, you know, veterans now who have come back from the war on terror and everything else, when you see the way that veterans are treated now and the way you guys got treated when you came home from Vietnam, how do you feel? Is is there any uh, resentment or no? Not resentment. Uh, like back at the Gulf War. Yeah. Was that 90? 90, uh, 91, yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget watching the news and there was a parade at Oceanside for the Marines coming back. I got on the phone. I called Gary Marty, who's passed away since he was a director of Force Recon Association, I said, Gary, are you watching this? He says, he says, Joe, he says, I know what you're going to say. He says, you're, you're jealous. You're happy for them, but you're jealous. I said, that's exactly right. We did, we, we, we got treated in the VA. Was I just told, talked to my son a couple of days ago about it. Went to the VA down uh, in the downtown LA and they say, pick a number, idiot, you know, basically, you know, and, and sit over there. And if they didn't get to you, you had to come back the next day. Yep. It was it was terrible. The way we it was terrible. So now they treated. It's incredible what they have now. The support they have now. I mean, we had nothing. It was terrible. So I got ten percent 
for 30-something years. I, all my wounds, I, and I found out why. They went 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. All the five, the five of the wounds, I, and, and if you don't go above 10, they stay at 10. So I got only 10%, for, and I have 30-something pieces still in me. Oh, my God. Oh, it's terrible. And, and it's terrible the way they treat you. The, the, the unreal part of it, Joe, and I could speak to this from personal experience, for as good as we have it compared to speaking to you guys, the treatment now from the VA is still bad. It's still really bad. It, it is, I bet. It, it is yeah. subpar, which only speaks to how little anybody gave a rip about you guys from Vietnam. Yeah, well, you can't even imagine how they treated you. It was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. I look back, I go, that's why I never went back. Right. 34, 30 years, 34 years, I never went back. And uh, I was kind of forced to go back. And, and when I went back, it was real quick. The first doctor I had was a contract doctor. And he walks in the room and said, good afternoon, sir. And I kind of looked around saying, are you talking to me? <laughs> I said, good afternoon, sir. I, we never got that. Right. So, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Well, I, I will say this much. You know, if, not, if it's any solace, you know, guys like me who have worn a uniform for nearly 20 years and uh, are still wearing it and still getting, you know, treatment and everything else, we don't have what we have today without you guys. Um, and, and the fact that things are better speaks to the fact that, thankfully, people realized the mistake they made with their veterans returning from Vietnam and weren't going to allow it to happen again. It, it's not a perfect system. There are a lot of flaws in it, but we're not being treated like you guys were. And that's that's because you guys had to bear the brunt of that for guys like me and all the veterans of the war on terror to be able to be treated so well, not only by the government, but by American citizens. You know, because American citizens weren't fond of you guys when you got back either. So for that, you know, I speak on behalf of a lot of uh, global war on terror veterans and say we thank you. Yeah, they, uh, I've had, uh, matter of fact, it was last week. Uh, I had, uh, I think I was wearing, I, I think I had a Marine, a Marine hat on. And uh, I was at Chili's and so went to pay the bill. She says, no, it's already been taken care of. I said, what? So, yeah, so... Stuff like that, it, it, it makes up for. I, I, so, I, honest to God, I, I, was that one that, like, well, this happened before. But when they say thank it, it, I don't even think of, I, I, I lose all that uh, animus and stuff. I just don't, I don't, I don't think about the bad. I think about that. Thank you, Misa, so much. Well, Joe, look, I, I can't say anything other than I'm astounded and amazed by your story. Uh, I, I wish you luck with the Medal of Honor. I hope it comes through for you. You certainly deserve it. Um, and, and congratulations on the Silver Star. That is more than well earned. And uh, biggest thing, you got all your guys out alive. And to that, you know, that is amazing. There, there, there are uh, nine, ten other, twelve other guys from your squad standing here today because of what you did. Uh, and, or, you know, or live long quick, lives because of what you did. Real quick. I told people that don't understand, I told them that those, I have seven sworn affidavits. And what they said in those affidavits mean a hell of a lot more than a medal. They, you know, for, for them saying that I'm responsible for them, you know, the, the affidavits, you know, my son cried when he read them. But uh, those mean more to me than any medal. Well, I can understand that. I absolutely can. Uh, but uh, for everything that you've done, again, thank you. Um, and for everything that you now represent for all of us, uh, I certainly appreciate it. I know we all do. It's an incredible story, and, and I hope everybody gets to hear it. Uh, good luck with everything else. God bless, and certainly uh, we thank you for being part of the Hazard Ground.
Mark, thanks so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast. Hosted by Mark Zeno and produced by Matt Pascarella. If you have an interesting story to tell and you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at hazardgroundpodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.